you put the totals in the bulletin for the giving so far? So we've had, uh, as we meant, uh, as elders mentioned, we've had uh, enough for youth camp. We actually had over $1,600 given toward that, which is amazing. It's amazing how $10 a time will add up. I know it's a little, I might preach in terms of savings too, but we'll, we're not here to talk about finances today. But now, as we mentioned before, we're going to direct our giving toward the parking lot, which I am uh, glad to be able to announce that we have over $8,100 has been given toward that already. So praise the Lord for that. Now we just need 8,100 8, about seven more times and we'll be there. I uh, felt impressed to share an admonition to Xavier during worship and so, so thrilled to be able to have the next generation of worshipers. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's not for me to share what it is that I talked to him about, because if it was, then I would have done it publicly. But what I did realize when I went over to speak into his ear, his ear is way up there. <laughs> these boys that we have in this church, I don't know what we even feed them in these potlucks, but I wish I would have had some of it when I was a kid. The Lord's good. The Lord's good. If you turn your Bibles quickly to Isaiah chapter 6, if you recall when we shared last month, I alluded to this and I mentioned that I would be coming back to it and exactly what we're doing. But we see here in the sixth chapter of Isaiah, Verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sit, sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So here we have, I told you, we wouldn't hit it very, we hit it very briefly last time, and that was Uzziah was considered the greatest king in all Israel since Solomon. And none had compared to him. And the beginning of his life was amazing but the end was a bit tragic yeah. and disappointing yeah. so I wanted to share some today on, on his life and what all that means but we see here through this and this is one portion I will share with you and I just have to be obedient and I know I say it a lot but I think in today's day and age which as much as we see each other on social media and even literally sometimes on FaceTime and we see each other with our eyes but we don't see it at all what's going on inside of our lives yeah. I may physically be able to I see the vision of who you are but am I really seeing what's going on inside and I'm so grateful that the Lord sees us in all that we have. So we're, we're more connected in this generation than we've ever been with people throughout the world, yet we're more disconnected at the same time. And through all of that, the loneliness that people are feeling, even though they see all these things, and, and you know there are, there are some that, that don't really like Facebook because of the fact that it gives this portrayal of, I'm going to show all these pictures of, of things that are going on good, and I'm not knocking Facebook, I use it. 
But I'm going to show all these pictures of things where my life is going really well, but inside I'm just broken. And I'm lonely. But I have news for you today for those that feel like that or have ever had any thoughts like that. The Lord sees you. And he always has. He doesn't need Facebook to be connected with you. He doesn't need Twitter or Snapchat. But he sees right into the core of who you are. Just like Isaiah here, through his disappointment, through his hurt, and the loss of this great man in his life, somebody he revered, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. So we're grateful that the Lord sees us. So this guy, Isaiah... Who is he? What's his story? To see that, we have to turn back to Second Chronicles in the 26th chapter. And I'm going to give you the punchline even before we start. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you that I'm going to tell you what I told you. But I want you to do a little test here if you want to keep a tally mark or somehow figure it out. There are 16 questions here, technically 32, 16 on each side, to determine whether you are proud or whether you are humble. So I'd like for you to somehow keep track, and that way you can kind of see this proven test, of course. Proven test. Number one, on the proud side. You are righteous in your own eyes, a critic who frequently finds fault in others. Now, don't answer out loud whether which one is you. Number one, for humble, you are compassionate, you think the best of others. So these are side by side. Would you think yourself that you are compassionate, you think the best of others, or would you consider yourself more a critic and find fault? Number one. Number two. Which one more describes you? You're extremely independent and self-sufficient. Or you recognize your need in others. Number three. Which one more describes you? You have to prove you're right. Or you're willing to yield the right to be correct. Ooh. Number four. Which one more describes you? You claim everything for yourself. You have a demanding spirit. Or you have a meek spirit. Number five. You're very wor worried about your reputation. Or you deny yourself. Number six. You wish to be served. Number six, you are motivated to serve others. We'll see that today at about uh, 1.45 when we're done. <laughs> Not with the message. <laughs> with the me 1.45. Oh, I got, I got a baseball game I got to go to. <laughs> Seven. Why is baseball got to be the guy knocking a baseball, right? Kind of. You desire success at any price, or you want to make others successful. Number eight, you focus on others' weaknesses, or you have, a, have your mind on your own spiritual 
needs. Number nine, you're anxious to be recognized. You're hurt when others are promoted and you're ignored. Ouch. Or you don't label, you're, you don't label yourself deserving. You're happy when others are praised. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Number 10, you worry about yourself a lot. Or you're not worried about yourself at all. 11, you keep others at a distance. Or you risk getting close to people and loving them sincerely. 12, you're quick to blame others. Or you take responsibility. 13, criticism makes you feel down. Or you receive criticism with a humble and open spirit. 14, it's hard for you to say, I was wrong, forgive me. Or you quickly admit your mistakes and ask for forgiveness when it's necessary. 15, you wait for others to come and ask for forgiveness. Or... You take the initiative in reconciling. It doesn't matter how big the person's mistake was. And finally, you believe there's nothing you need to repent about or you realize you have to take a sincere route and continue to repent. Some of which you'll identify with one side, the other, and the other side. But the pride test Pride versus humble test is which one did you score higher on? We won't ask you to post your results. But let's consider this in 2 Chronicles 26. Now all the people of Judah took Uzziah who was 16 years old and made him king instead of his father Amaziah and he built Elath and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. Now the nice thing about this, mother's got some recognition here, and you'll see this sometimes in scripture where they mention the mother's name. And what the attempt here is to attribute some of the characteristics that he was exhibiting to his mother in her training. So they got some props here or some respect and deserved credit. But we see here that he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to what his father had done. Verse 5, he sought God in the days of Zechariah who had understanding in the visions of God and watch this, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Yes. That word sought means to seek and praise and worship. So as long as he continually would seek the Lord, the Lord caused him to prosper. The antithesis of that is when he wouldn't seek the Lord, you can see it would come to a demise. So he sought the Lord, and the Lord prospered him. I ask you, do you desire to prosper?
If yes, what do you think the solution to that is? Seek him in prayer and worship. Seek him in communion and conversation with the king. Continue in verse 6. Now he went out and made war against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath and the wall of Jebna and the wall of Ashdod and built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. Now Gath was actually the hometown of Goliath. Ashdod, uh, Jebna and Ashdod were in the region which is now the modern day Palestine. Still, I am amazed at the unrest that is in these regions, even today, in 2017, that began so much long ago. Still warring even today. But he conquered them. He was victorious. Verse 7, God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gerbal, and against the Minuites and the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah. His fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for he became exceedingly strong. So not only was he famous in the region of Judah and Israel, but also it spread even further south into the tip, the northeastern portion of Egypt. His fame. Because he honored the Lord. In verse 9, he built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, the valley gate, and at the corner buttress of the wall. Then he fortified them, and he built towers in the desert. And he dug many wells, for he had much livestock, both in the lowlands and in the plains. And he also had farmers and wine dressers in the mountains in Carmel, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah, in verse 11, had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies according to the number on their roll as prepared by Jael, the scribe, and Messiah, the officer, under the name Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The total number of the chief officers of the mighty men of valor was 2,600. And under authority was an army of 307,500 that made war. He had a massive army. They made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. Then Uzziah prepared for them an entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. Now, not only did he have this army, but he had the wherewithal, the means to equip them so they could continue to fight. We've heard before that we are in the army of the Lord. The Lord isn't sending us out to do spiritual battle, but not first equipping us. He's given us the tools and the weapons that we need in order for us to withstand the enemy. And that's what Uzziah was doing here. He was preparing his men, not only for battle, but also he was outfitting them so that they could go into these battles prepared and come out victorious, which in turn... They had a tremendous amount of loyalty for this man. They were willing to fight. And they created these devices, it says here, 
and verse 15, which were like catapults invented by skillful men. And on the towers and corners to shoot arrows and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide. For he was marvelously helped till he became strong. So you can imagine here why he was so victorious. He allowed those underneath him, these skilled men, to be able to design these catapults and these different weapons. He empowered these guys so they could actually in turn use their skill to do battle. He wasn't so controlling to say, I have to do everything. I have to be the one to make the decision. I have to be the one to do these things. He empowered them so they could do the same thing. Likewise with us. The Lord is equipping us so we too can do battle. But here we have these other guys that were coming to battle with them with their swords and slings or whatever it might be. And here he has created, he allowed these guys to create these catapults that would thrust these huge stones. So you heard the expression, coming to a gunfight with a knife, right? Or bringing a knife to a gunfight? Here we go, they're bringing a pebble to a boulder fight. So you can imagine the fear that was cast in the hearts of these other armies and nations. I spend so much time in this so you can realize the grandeur that he had attained. And the fear, just even the mention of his name, that was all throughout the Middle East. And all of this, all of this, Brother Andrew, because of one thing, he sought the Lord first. He didn't go out and try to do these things and then go, oh, wait a second, I probably should ask the Lord and pray about this or something. No, he would seek the Lord. He worshiped him. He prayed, spent time in communion with them, and would get the direction of the Lord of what to do next. And because of that, he prospered. Verse 16. Sad verse in Uzziah's life. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. Two phrases that are very sad about Uzziah. We'll see the other one later on. But this is the first one. When he was strong. This is the key with this. There's nothing wrong with being successful. The Lord desires to prosper us. I'm not just talking about financially. I'm talking about with health, in our relationships, to prosper in everything that we have, any aspect of our lives. But the problem with Uzziah was this. When he was strong, his heart was lifted up. He got his eyes off the prize. He took his eyes off the prize, as it were. He took his eyes off the one that was giving and blessing and prospering him, he started looking in the mirror and seeing how great he thought he was. Verse 16, when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Since the age of 16, people have been telling him how great he was. What a great leader he was. How he had wisdom beyond his age. They were shocked to find out when they would speak to him. Wow, you are beyond, you have word, wisdom beyond your years. You are an amazing leader. You're uh, unbelievable, not only with battle, but the decisions that you make. Where you're digging your wells. The, 
the prosperity that you're experiencing, this is amazing. You are awesome. The problem is, is that he started to internalize those words. He started to lose his focus as to where the credit belonged and, deser and it were deserved. I can imagine he stood there and looked at his kingdom, maybe went to a high point in his castle and kind of looked around and saw the vastness of it as he looked. As his eyes would cast across all this area that he was leading, he would stand there as he, the men stood in attention before him as they, in the courts of the kingdom, inside the walls, before he sent them out to battle, he would just realize and recognize the, the immensity of all that he had amassed. The grandeur of these things, and his chest began to swell. And think, I'm doing a pretty good job. You know what? All these people have been telling me how great I am, and they're right. They are right. I've done more in my, since my teen years than previous ten kings have done all together. And these words that were poured toward on him, he began to believe them and lay hold of them, and that became the thing by which was motivating, that he held most dear. I am king. Let's not mistake here, there have been kings that have been great in scripture. That's not the issue. But the issue is right here in verse 16, he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. He began to believe these things were, not, were no longer because of the blessings of the Lord, but because of his deeds and his greatness. And he lost his way. He allowed pride to seep into his heart. Continuing in verse 16, For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple. We see here that this was not a heathen. This was a God-fearing man. really is what makes what he does next even worse. So as he stood and from his balcony and he looked across his kingdom, there was one area he was not allowed to go. One. One dwelling. He had free reign over the entire kingdom, but there was one building he was not allowed to enter. So he decided, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Don't they realize who I am? Don't they know my name? Do they realize who they're telling, what I can, who can and cannot do? So what, do you do, what does he do? He enters into the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar 
of incense. Now, we know, we've heard enough scripture to know that the temple was reserved for the priests. You had to be a priest in order to even enter in there, much less to perform any service. Aren't you glad for that rent veil? We don't have to do that anymore. We're all free to enter. Freely come and worship. Freely come and, and make our petitions known to the Lord, and we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Why? Because the blood of Jesus Christ. Not because we're good, because He is good. But this is prior to that. So these rules were still in place. He couldn't enter into there. Not only that, he could not perform. He couldn't touch the table of showbread. He couldn't go to the altar of incense. He couldn't go to anywhere into this, in, in this room to perform any service. And he didn't like it. He had free reign, just like David. He had free reign in the entire kingdom, but he chose something that it wasn't his in Bathsheba. Something that was forbidden. You're not going to tell me what I can't do. So he goes and he grabs a censer to offer incense. Azariah the priest went in after him <laughs> so boldly that he brought 80 of his friends. <laughs> he was going to show them, but he got a posse first. Now I started to think about this. How much time had elapsed? How much time was he actually in there? Because for you to gather 80 People, no matter what, it's going to take you a minute. Even if all of us were here together right now and we said, hey, we've got to go right over there in the back corner of the parking lot, it's going to take us a second to stand up, adjust my belt. <laughs> we're going to get over. I mean, so it doesn't say that these 80 people were just standing around at attention. Scripture is silent on it, but I just started thinking about how long was he actually in there, which is even worse the presumption that he would go in there long enough that Azariah had enough time to go and gather 80 men, 80 other priests to come in to challenge him as to what he was doing. And then I also thought about this. Thank you, Lord, for this priest, Amaziah, who loved Uzziah enough to challenge him in his sin and wrongdoing. He didn't say, whoa, that's a king. I'm going to let him go. He can snap his fingers and my life's over. I'm gonna, that's going to be embarrassing for me to, to go up and, and, and share with my brother. Brother, I think you need to, we need to really prayerfully consider this. What are you doing in your life right now? Where are you walking? Are you protecting your eye gate? What are the decisions that you're making? But he loved him enough to walk in and say, Hey, Uzziah, uh-uh. No, no. This is not where you're supposed to be. This is forbidden. I pray that all of us have people in our lives that are willing to, to step across that line to say, I love you enough. You may be mad at me. That's okay. But I love you enough 
that I'm going to walk, stand beside you. You're not going to come in, correct, in, in a judgment, but this is in support and in love. Those of you that have children, are your kids happy with you after you discipline them? Mine aren't. Aiden doesn't love it, love me, or he loves me, but he doesn't thrill with me after he gets spanked. Not loving it. But you know what? I do it because I love him. Yeah. I tell them all the time, delayed obedience is disobedience. I want you to be so able to, when you hear us ask you to do something, without a raised voice, by the way, don't wait until you hear the level of decibels increase before you realize that we're serious. We ask you to make your bed, whatever it is, doesn't matter. I want you to be so easily accustomed to obeying those simple tasks that when the Lord says, go speak to Xavier, it's simple. You walk over and do it. That's the only reason why. That is the sole purpose of why I discipline my children, because I want them to be attuned and have the ability to follow the direction of the Lord simply. Period. That's it. There's nothing else. Because when they're following the direction of the Lord, they're going to walk in the right path. Everything else is going to take care of itself. So he didn't care whether or not Uzziah was going to be upset with him or he's going to be mad. He didn't care. He was afraid a little bit because <laughs> he brought his posse. Yeah. But even still, he still came. Yeah. Maybe that was the elders of the church, right? Take the elders and go to a man, whoever. He wanted backup. Uzziah had a decision. He'd already made one choice. But when he was challenged, and here's the thing. We have, a, we, have a cha- we have an opportunity when somebody comes along beside us and says, hey, Damaris, I think you might want to reconsider. What is our next response? Right. What do we do next? Because if we understand that they're coming from a place of love, that they're wanting the best for us, and maybe they're just pointing something out, if, I ret- if all of a sudden we retaliate, oh, well, look at you do, Megan. Well, who are you to judge me? You're wearing a blue speckled shirt. How can you tell me that I shouldn't wear gray today? And all along here she's trying to tell me that gray is not in my palette. His response next was just as egregious as a very assumption of the presumption that could go in there. I, the entire time I read this, I, I kept on just probably for two days, I sat and I meditated and I said, Lord, what if he had repented? What would the end of Uzziah's life look like? How would that have changed his history? Verse 18, and they withstood King Uzziah. And they said to him, that was bold right there, by the way. They withstood the king. This great king, whose kingdom stretched from the northeast corner or portion of Egypt all the way into all the way to the north, just south of Samaria. They withstood him because they knew that there was a righteous standard that had to be withheld. They weren't feeling that they need to be gracious with him. 
This was not a time for grace. This was time to be withhold a righteous standard. Yes. They withstood him and said, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense, set apart to burn incense, who have lived their lives in such a manner so that they can find themselves worthy to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. This is their challenge. This is their correction. And his response right here. Uzziah became furious. And he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry at that very moment, this is the, the portion that I, was, that I was just meditating on, while he was angry, he could have just laid it down. I, I genuinely believe this. Had he laid it down and said, guys, you know you're right. Lord, turn, Lord, forgive me. Walk out. Lord, forgive me. Go right out of that, into that first, the holy place. Go right over to the altar, or the um, brazen altar, and, and kill a sacrifice right there, and ask for forgiveness. Had he done that, turned around and repented from his ways, his story would have changed and ended differently. Because that's the encouragement that we have, because there are going to be times that we will make the wrong choice. You may have made the wrong choice this morning on the drive-in, but the good news is, what do we do next? What are you going to do next after you make your wrong choice? Are you going to be infuriated? Are you going to stand there right at the knee and say, I am still going to do whatever it is I'm going to do? I'm going to allow my pride to say, yes, I am right in what I'm doing. I'm justified. I'm allowed to do this because what I've amassed. I've done these things. You've told me I am great, and now I have the right to be in here. Or are you going to lay it down? Are you going to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Turn from those ways. You may have ripple effects from your decision, yes. But you have the opportunity to rewrite your story because of the forgiveness of our God. He didn't choose that route. He didn't choose that route. He allowed his pride and his ego to say, I am justified in all that I do. As while he was angry, his forehead broke with leprosy. You can imagine these 81 priests standing there as this guy stands in his fury and his forehead changing. Last time I checked, can anybody take a look at their forehead real fast? Can you do that for me? Dan's got his phone. He didn't have selfie. He didn't have a selfie stick. So you can imagine as they're standing there, as he's standing there in his fury, he's be proverbially beating his chest and his forehead breaks out in leprosy. The fear of the Lord must have just blown them back. Yeah. Wow. I'll tell you what, those 81 guys, I bet you they never withstood the Lord. <laughs> Stood in pride because they saw what happens. Broke out before the priests of the house of the Lord, 
beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him there on his forehead. He was less leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah, verse 21, was a leper until the day of his death. None. No repentance. No change. It was more important to him to hold on to that than it was to humble himself. Say, Lord, forgive me. I messed up. We are going to fall at some point in your life. Some greater than others. But what do you do next? What's the next thing? What's your next response? Lepers until the day he was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper. Watch this. Here's a second sad phrase in his life. For he was cut off from the house of the Lord. He was cut off. He cut himself off. He didn't lose his life. He didn't die instantly. But he sure did lose everything he had. Everything that he had amassed. All the praise and adoration that were being thrust his way. Gone in a moment. See, I tell you that it's a, a fine line. <laughs> it's interesting that we're doing what we're doing today at the same time as this message, but you ha we have to be careful. Both the giver and the receiver, especially if you're a, your love language is words of affirmation, how much praise that we are raining down on people and be careful how we respond to that. Because if you very easy to be like Uzziah and start believing these things that, hey, I have this. I'm like this because of me. You know what? They've been telling me that I'm pretty good. They're, you're right. I am. Pretty awesome. The story of Uzziah was very uh, hit home in a lot of ways. A lot of ways. Your pride can get you into some tight spots. But if we humble ourselves and repent, we can course correct. But if we double down like Uzziah did, we're going to end up desolate and alone, just like he. So, we ask, how can we prevent, protect against getting, being prideful? It's a simple phrase. Pick up the towel. Pick up the towel. 
we have an example of the greatest of all that got down on his knees and picked up the towel, washed the feet of those that had been walked through dusty roads and nasty things to come and meet with them. But he chose to humble himself to be an example to us that to pick up the towel and care for others. Take care of others' needs before his own. It's very difficult to become prideful if you're constantly picking up the towel. Picking up the towel and this is going to be the most heavily uh, participated cleanup we've ever had, ever. So picking up the towel and, and helping and seeing, finding a need. Remember, a couple months back I mentioned it's so awesome in church when you have those that recognize a need and fill it without being asked. That's picking up the towel. That's walking in humility and not your own pride. It says in 1 Peter 5.5, 5, let's turn there. We want to see with their eyes. 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Likewise, you younger people. Anybody younger people? That's me. Anybody else in younger people? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So this applies to you. Those who just raise your hands, the rest of you it doesn't. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. So if you didn't raise your hand, raise your hand now because you're the elders. <laughs> uh, yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Wow. What a powerful phrase. Not just, I'm going to be humble every once in a while. And not false humility, which may be our next topic. I almost wanted to go there today, but I, I think I want to give it proper time. But we'll see if the Lord allows. But false humility is not humility. Self-deprecation is not humility. There are those that will, and this is a prideful thing, strangely enough. This is how, pride will make you do the weirdest of things. But there are those in their pride, because they really secretly want to be praised, will self-deprecate so people will turn around and tell them, no, 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 that's not the case. You're actually this. So I just, I, I just did a, 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 what do they call that, a Jedi mind trick on you for you to tell me something, I'm good at something. And you fell for it by self-deprecating. Oh, man, I, I am not a very good guitar player. I don't know how to play really at all. Oh, no, it's not the case at all. You're great. Mission accomplished. And all of you right now are thinking about someone that self-deprecates, and then you turn around and say something nice to them, and they're just sitting back going, ha, 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 ha. That's part of pride. It's kind of weird. It's a backward twisted, but it's true. But not only false humility and, and, and being humble sometimes, but being clothed with humility. Isn't it something that you just kind of like, 
halfway do, but being clothed with it. It covers you. Picking up the towel is something that you live by. Why is this important? Look at the end of verse 5. For what? God does what to the proud? Resists them. Now, if I were to, before I read this scripture, if I said, please raise your hand if anyone in here would like if the Lord would have resist them. Yet so many prideful things that we do. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Anybody here want the Lord's grace? Anybody need it? Anybody need it every day? <laughs> Be humble. Submit yourself to others. Clothe yourself with humility. This is a tough one. This was on our original test. Receive criticism with grace and search for the truth in it. Prideful people don't like to be corrected. I know. I used to do it, I used to say under the covering that I try so hard to do everything right when I am told that I'm doing something wrong, it frustrates me because I was trying so hard to do it right. Whoever, whoever I told that's in this room, that, that was a lie. I didn't say raise your hand if I ever told you that before. That was me lying to myself. Because I genuinely believed that. I convinced myself that I was trying so hard to do what was right. When you criticized me and told me I actually did something wrong, and you were right, oh, I was infuriated. I was trying so hard to do what was right. No, it was my pride being hurt. I don't like to be told I was doing something wrong. Still don't. Told you I related to Uzziah. We walked through the halls and said, I amassed this, I did this. Things have never been more successful than under my watch. Huh. We receive criticism. When I go to, I pick on him, he sits in the front row here, he's got big shoulders. When I go to Brother Andre and say, hey, brother, you need to, I'm here to stand with you with this. I'm going to love you through it. He's got to trust me enough that I'm going to love him through it. That is huge. I'm not going to frown upon him. I'm not going to think less of him. Because guess what? Next week is going to be me that I need him to turn around and do the same thing. But what he's got to do is I may not have the perfect words to share with him and, and what it is. But what he's got to do is see past the words and find the truth and what the Lord is trying to say. If I'm genuinely coming to him in a spirit of love. Now that's the difference, right? I'm not talking about, hey, just walk up to everybody and be critical. Hey, uh, Zinger, I don't like your shoes. Isn't that right, Dan? <laughs> uh, 
Oh, I don't like your shoes. I have no jeans. I don't like those either. No, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about say every, every free license to be critical of one another. That's not. We talked from the very beginning. Are you more critical or are you accepting? But this is genuinely going to Xavier and saying, I, I love you and I want to help you, so I'm going to share this with you because I sought the Lord first and I had such a burden that I couldn't let it go. Not that I had a fleeting thought for five seconds that all of a sudden I think I needed to go ahead and criticize you. See the difference? Yeah. The difference is I'm going to tell you that you need to change because it benefits me because I don't like what you're doing. Who's that about? Is it about him? Is that helping him? No, it's helping me. So where's your motivation? So I go to him and say, I love you and I want the best for you. And this is what the Lord had given me to share with you. So what he's got to do is see, right, see through those words and find the truth in it. Because everything I say may not be perfectly, first of all, in line. I have my personality may have come through, right? But he's got to find the truth in that and say, okay, I'm not going to allow my pride to be hurt, but Lord, what is it that you want me to find in all this? Whenever we're in a situation, my older sister said this the other day, Lord, what are you saying in this? What is it that you're trying to say to me? I don't know. It's, a lot of stuff is kind of weird. I don't really understand everything that's going on, so I don't have to. But I do want to find out, Lord, what is it that you are saying? What is it that you want me to know? Want me to hear? Want me to change? So if you feel like things are kind of unrest, if you feel like there are things going on that you can't control, which is pretty much all the time, ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying? Because I know, bring in full circle, I know you see me. I know you have my best interest in mind. So what are you saying in this? Another way to be, not become prideful is turn away any desires that you have for praise. Don't seek to be praised all the time. Don't seek to do things so people will tell you how great you are. Because when you do that, it's just it's a, it's a snowball effect. You will seek their approval, they will approve, and you'll seek it even more. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you look at yourself, take a step back and you say, everything that I do is trying to please people all the time. By the way, I forgot to ask the Lord what he wanted of me. Not as men pleasers. Submit yourself to the elders. Be submissive to one another. Clothe yourself with humility. For God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Uzziah lifted himself up. The Lord exalted him. The Lord promoted him. The Lord prospered him. Because he sought after him. All the days that he sought after the Lord, he was made to prosper. When he started to seek after himself, that was his destruction. So I encourage you today. You may have a great deal of pride in your life. Some of you may be saying, I don't. 
That's a prideful statement. I'm not proud at all. You see the irony in that? So don't be like Uzziah. When you are faced with whatever it is, if you're faced with some type of correction, preferably it's the Holy Spirit. It's a little less public. The Spirit convicts you. Stop. Turn and repent. Don't double down like Uzziah and justify your actions. I would love if, you remember when we were kids, they had those choose your own adventure books? Walk through door A, walk through door B, and as a result of that, the story would take a different turn. I would love to be able to do a choose your own adventure on Uzziah. If you at that moment, when he was challenged by those priests, yeah. he would have said, you're right. You know what, I repent. Because I know the Lord would have restored him. Yeah. I'm convinced of it. Because that's what he desires to do in all of our lives is to restore. He's a God of restoration. Aren't you glad for that? Let's stand. Lord, we're so grateful for your word today. Yes, that you would take these words and that we would hide them in our hearts and that you would, yeah. Lord, convict us when we have allowed pride to be our motivation and, and be our, our cause. Lord, help us to pick up the towel and be clothed in humility. So grateful for all that you're doing in each and one of our lives, oh God. We pray all these things. And Lord, would you ask that you bless the food and the hands and head of preparation in it, Lord, that we just have an awesome time in fellowship together as a family. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I don't know if we're, are we about ready there? Anyone know? If you could, if you're under the age of 50, please go to the back of the line.